Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Debbie Thomas. Our essay this week is written by Michael Fitzpatrick. It's entitled, Ascribe to the Lord, based upon the lectionary readings for May 30th, 2021, Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday is somewhat infamously known for being a day when teachers and preachers try to instruct congregations on the meaning and importance of the Trinity in church doctrine. What such well-intentioned labors occasionally overlook is the opportunity to, to reflect on how we are to relate to this mysteriously wonderful threefold divine. The art of ascription, that is, attributing to something that which is proper to it, is a practice I think we should bring more to the center for Trinity Sunday. For what else is this day than a refounding of how we talk about the God revealed in Jesus? How can we believe in the Trinity unless it is part of how we experience the living God? Ascription is not description. We can describe something without being invested in it, giving a disinterested, objective account. To ascribe to the Lord, as Psalm 29 both enjoins and models for us, is to offer unto the Holy One praises and thanksgiving because the Lord is worthy of such honor. Of course, the pastoral Near East language of the psalm might be a little alienating to those of us more familiar with towering skyscrapers and sprawling suburbia. Why is it praise to say that the Lord breaks the cedar trees or makes the oak trees writhe? And is there a way we could make this language our own today? The cedar tree in the ancient Near East was both a source of pride for the tribes in the region and functioned as a metaphor for their cultural paragons. Cedar tree forests were a source of wealth, and their inclusion within the boundaries of a tribal nation provided significant bragging rights. Consequently, the great people in a tribal nation, especially its kings and other rulers, were seen as the cedar trees of their community, the embodiment of their strength and power. Without this cultural background, it's easy to miss the subversive import of passages like Psalm 29, that the God of Israel is the one who breaks the cedar trees, who shakes the wilderness, who strips the forests bare. The ascription is a declaration that the human sources of power and wealth are mere kindling and splinters before the advocate who acts on behalf of his people. Moreover, ascribing to the redeeming God glory and strength over those who are metaphorically the cedars of Lebanon is an act of humility itself. The way of the flesh would have us attribute cedar treeness to ourselves against those cedar trees who persecute us. By granting the Most High such glory alone, we affirm the equality of all people in our finite creatureliness. All are equally crying, Glory. But these ascriptions do not serve to assuage the ego of the Almighty. Ascription to the Lord moves us, not God, into proper relation. Recognizing who it is that sits enthroned above the flood connects us with the source that gives strength to his people and gives his people the blessing of peace. We ascribe to the Lord for our sakes, to place our faith and hope in the one who has true power to save the ancient Israelite community lived in a world not that dissimilar from our own. It was a world where the stability and security of daily life was largely dictated by those with great material wealth or large armies at their command. Israel spent much of their first temple existence living with extreme existential risk, 
due to the large number of imperial nations that surrounded their tiny scrap of land. They were constantly tempted to mitigate this risk in predictably human ways, by amassing their own wealth, their own armies, or placating local deities. These futile attempts simply perpetuate sin and death in the world. The radical act of ascribing to the Lord roots our hope and security in the creator of this world, the source of true strength. However, our ascription of the Lord cannot rest sufficient with power and strength, for the voice of the Advocate is not heard simply in rendering asunder the might of the powerful. It is also heard within us. To be the people of the Most High is not merely to be subjects before the rightful ruler, but to be children of God. We are internally related to our Creator, having been adopted by grace through baptism into the heavenly family. We ascribe to God, Abba, Father, and in so doing, St. Paul tells us, this voice is actually the Spirit of God speaking within us, testifying that we have been made heirs of the coming kingdom of heaven. Again, the ascription is not to satisfy God, but to properly relate us to this mysterious parent who has made us joint heirs with Christ. Still, our ascription of the Lord is incomplete, for the Advocate of Heaven and the Spirit testifying within us are revealed through a common link, the Christ who walked with us and through whom we obtained this eternal life as children of the Most High. To ascribe to the Lord is to specifically ascribe to Jesus what is proper to his place in our life. Our gospel reading bears witness that no one can perform the signs and wonders that mark Jesus' life apart from the presence of God. He is the one who descended from heaven, the only begotten Son of the Father, who was lifted up that whoever believes in him will be saved. For the Son was sent into the world not to condemn it, but to save it. All of these ascriptions of divine power, of baptism by the Spirit, of atonement to the Son, bring us close to the mystery of the Trinitarian God. This does not mean we understand it, and maybe these subscriptions do not serve that purpose. We ascribe for our sakes, to say what we must say about the divine, to be faithful to our experience of God's love. Ascription changes us, for it helps us take the proper attitude and reverence towards the source of all our hope. To declare that the Holy One can break the cedar trees, that the Spirit has adopted us into the family, that the true Father gave us His only Son, is to fill out the implications of God so loving the world that our Lord wills to save the world, has the power to do so, has done so on the cross, and as the Spirit testifies, is doing so in us. For books this week, Brad Keister reviews Love Your Enemies, How Decent People Can Save America from the Culture of Contempt by Arthur C. Brooks. Arthur Brooks is completing a 10-year run as the president of the conservative-leaning American Enterprise Institute, from which he is about to move to an appointment at the Harvard Kennedy School and Business School. He's a frequent columnist with major publications. Prior to that, he was a classical musician, which included a time with the City Orchestra of Barcelona. The title that Brooks, a Catholic, has chosen for this book may lead Christian readers to ask what's new about a directive from Jesus given two, million, two millennia ago. But the perspective of this book is not a religious argument, but rather Brooks's attempt to step into our highly polarized society. His claim is that a deliberate strategy to love one's enemies is both desperately needed and that it works. Brooks argues that the most dangerous aspect of our divisive society is not disagreement, but contempt. 
In the culture of contempt, there is no space for a conversation. To illustrate its toxicity, Brooks notes research by the psychologist John Gottman, who can predict in advance of marriage with a 94% accuracy which couples will divorce within three years on the basis of signs of contempt that partners show one another. Brooks urges us to seek out friends with whom we will likely disagree and do the hard work of listening and building respect with them. He cites the friendship of two professors at Princeton, Robbie George and Cornell West, who disagree deeply on nearly every issue, yet maintain a level of respect they can model for their students, and that is more important than all their disagreements. The book concludes with five rules of behavior toward counteracting the culture of contempt. Brooks himself is no stranger to controversy, and his opinions on many subjects are quite clear. But he sees an imperative beyond his own views or those of anyone else. Both the imperative and the difficulty of the task ahead is summed up in his final sentence, quote, you are now entering mission territory. For films this week, we review Becoming. Back in November 2018, former First Lady Michelle Obama published her memoir, Becoming, a New York Times bestseller, serious work of candid reflection, which in a mere two weeks became the best-selling book in the U.S. for that year. One year later, it had sold 10 million copies, and as of today, over 14 million copies. When the memoir was published, Obama went on a 34-city book tour, and that is what this movie is about. She narrates her own stories as we follow her from city to city at book signings, indoor coliseums, churches, colleges, elementary schools, with Oprah and Colbert, her childhood home, and so on. One of the frustrating things about being First Lady, she observes, was the fishbowl effect. How you had to carefully script every tiny detail of your life, because every word, action, dress, and gesture was scrutinized by the entire world. So, at least to some degree, in this movie we see Michelle off-leash and unguarded but only to a certain degree. The film revisits her life story beginning on the south side of Chicago, the influence of her family, especially her beloved brother, schooling at Princeton and Harvard, meeting Barack, and then superstardom. I have to say that for a person in her position, she seems genuinely grounded. This is a mother who in the White House ordered the maids to stop making her daughter's beds. They had to do that for themselves. Nor did she want all the butlers wearing tuxedos when they served them 24-7. Dan, watch this film on Netflix. And lastly, for poetry on this Trinity Sunday, The Gifts of the Three by an anonymous poet, originally from the Carmica Gadelica. Spirit, give me of thine abundance. Father, give me of thy wisdom. Son, give me in my need. Jesus, beneath the shelter of thy shield, I lie down tonight with the triune of my strength, with the Father, with Jesus, with the Spirit of might. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for May 30th, 2021. I'm Debbie Thomas.